Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we conclude Robin Hood Month. That's right, we've taken multiple trips to Shearwood Forest and this is our final one for now. And we are finishing with the Robin Hood film that everyone really wanted us to review. And that is 1993's Robin Hood Men in Tights. Uh, now we are joined by two special guests. Uh, joining me is the guest who has not seen the film. It is Kate Willoughby. Hello. How are you, Kate? I'm good. It's very, this is the first time I've done a, a, these over Zoom. Mm. I, I didn't do a Zoom one during like ISO and all that kind of stuff for you. So. No, indeed. We, we'll get on to why we're doing this remotely uh, in a little bit. Uh, but, mm. but before that, um, uh, how, how are things in the world of Kate? Yeah, pretty pretty good. Just working, doing some stand-up comedy, getting ready for some um, improv D&D and improv D&D presents Call of Cthulhu. So just getting, yeah, lots of comedy. Mm. That's, that's what I've been doing. Yeah. Well, uh, comedy is uh, very much the, the key word of the day with this film um, because obviously Robin Hood Men in Tights is a Mel Brooks film, which means that it has to be funny. That's, that's the rule. Uh, what, what do you know yes. about Men in Tights? Um, so I know, I don't know the whole song, but I do know the whole, like, we are the men, the banded tights, tight tights, and that's it. Um, and, uh, and I think is, uh, is Chappelle in it? Uh, Dave Chappelle. Yes. This was, Dave uh, Chappelle? yeah, Dave Chappelle's, um, cinematic debut, actually. It was the first yeah. film he was ever in. Oh, okay, yeah. So I know that he's in it, and I know that um, Carrie, Carrie, a uh, Princess Bride, Wesley, Carrie, yeah, um, uh, K- Carrie Yules. Carrie Yules. I know that he's in it, um, mm. and obviously I assume Mel Brooks is in it because he always yeah. makes cameos, <laughs> especially in like the eighties, nineties. He definitely played more prominent roles, and then the older mm. he got, he was like, oh, "I'll just, I'll just pop in a bit later." Like, um, like the producers, he was like one line in a mm. song. He was like, "I'm not." Yeah, that's all I'm doing. So. Yeah, that's all I really know, and that obviously it's Robin Hood. Mm. So, and are you a fan of Robin Hood just in general as a piece of uh, myth, I guess, or storytelling? Is Rob is Robin Hood and that tale something that you really latch onto? Yeah, actually, I mean, I think it's definitely one of the stories that you saw. I mean, for the fact that I remember in like English class, our teacher, because it's Australia, you'd have a section about bush rangers, and the teacher would always have to go. They have to be real, and they can't be Robin Hood. Because one, Robin Hood is fictional, and two, he's English. <laughs> so you can't do that. So I think Robin Hood's always been like a, a fixture in the stories. And I always loved like the adventure stories. And um, yeah, and I think I've definitely, I think I saw the one with um, Alan Rickman. Yes, uh, Prince of Thieves. One? yeah prince of thieves so mm. I, I definitely watched prince of thieves and i even watched the one as a girl um about robin hood's daughter it's got kira knightley in it oh okay i, I actually yeah, don't yeah, know yeah. that one but uh sounds yeah. good. Yeah, i shared it to you the other day Stephen. did you i got very excited about it and went i've got this film we should do this one instead okay prince well 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 quiet mystery voice we haven't introduced you yet <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so i think robin hood's very much like in the yeah in the zeitgeist of that kind of yeah story always sort of there okay well uh 
baying to come in, uh, gnashing the teeth <laughs> and uh, desperate to start talking about Robin Hood, uh, please welcome our other guest, Dr. Sarah Curtis. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Kate. Hey. Uh, Dr. Sarah, um, how are you? Well, I am the reason that we are on Zoom because I have COVID, so oh, no. not very good. <laughs> I'm better than I was. The yes, reason here, we've been so delayed with this episode because of me and my COVIDness. Yes, uh, when when I uh, scheduled the guests in, I scheduled a, um, a Sarah Kate combo for this episode, and then Sarah came down with the COVID, so we did have to push it back um, so that we could, uh, but basically record this one because yeah, the day we were meant to be recording it, I think was the day when you started feeling really sick. So um, I, I'm <laughs> I'm glad that you're feeling a bit better now, um, and and on, well on the way to being freed from your isolation. Fingers crossed. Yeah, uh, it's it's Monday, halfway through tomorrow that I hopefully get out. Um, all of my rats have always been negative. So mm. even when I was in the middle of definitely having it, so I'm going to get another PCR just to prove that I don't have it anymore. Um, Are you not like stuffing it high up enough on your nose? Is that? Uh, I don't have any nose ones. I've got the the really shitty mouth. Oh, ah. I've heard the, I've heard the lollipop stuff. thingies are a bit. They do not Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, look, we could talk about the differences between different. I was about to say, look tests. at us having medical opinions. <laughs> like in I COVID, mean, we're like, oh, no, that doesn't work. And it's like, we yeah. don't know. Well, I don't. I just pulled that out of my ass because I've heard other people going, it's shit. Like, than pulling it out your nose. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yes, uh, but well, we're very glad that you are um, seemingly on the road to recovery, Sarah, and we're also very glad that we're still able, thanks to the miracles of modern technology, to watch this film uh, together whilst being apart, but also um, to do the podcast. Uh, Kate? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see, because like I realised as I was driving home, I was like, I, it's going to be weird, I, don't, if, I hope that I'll, I know I'll enjoy it, but it's going to be weird watching a comedy without other people around and then talking about it because I've never seen it especially because yeah it works yeah so much on like us on people laughing together so I'm, mm. I'm hoping that that won't affect the enjoyment of it I'm, I'm sure it won't but maybe it's different when you've watched it multiple times but I think if you've if you're watching something for the first time and it's a comedy mm. I think it'd be interesting watching it alone uh, yeah I think it's I think it's definitely something that to keep in mind. Uh, we we had a bit of experience of doing remote episodes um, over the last two years because of the COVID nineteen pandemic, and comedies mm. are always the ones which do seem to be a bit strange. Uh, but but normally, yeah. if if someone is enjoying the film um, in a group setting, they probably would enjoy it individually. Um, certainly if they enjoy yes. it individually, they'll almost certainly love it in a group setting. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, we'll have a little group chat going, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be able to type things to each Ooh, other, but, uh, really? oh yeah, yeah, no, um, well, I have... again, I've never done this before. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> oh yeah. No, we don't, we're not just going to go leave, come back in two hours. Tell us what you think. No, we'll, we'll keep the conversation going. I mean, okay. That's the fun cool. of, of doing this podcast is the chat as we're watching the film, which usually mm. I hate, like I'm that person in a cinema or in the theater who is like, no, don't talk to me ever, mm. except on this podcast. Or I'm like, yeah, I'm very happy to talk throughout whether I've seen it or not seen it. That's mm. just the joy of it. I haven't been to the cinema with Sarah multiple times. I can confirm she hates it, uh, which is why <laughs> I do it. Uh, so Sarah, um, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Um, yeah, what yeah. can you tell us in a, it's really 
daft to say in a non-spoilery sort of way because yeah. it's Robin Hood. Like it's uh, everyone knows the story of Robin Hood, unless of course it's like Tim mentioned narrating it, going, "You'll never know what happens when they <laughs> head into the Sherwood Forest." It's like, nah, Tim, we do, <laughs> and everyone knows. Yeah, it's um, and, and the last, the previous three films that we've done for this Robin Hood month have been largely the same story. Um, so I guess what 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 can Kate expect from this this version, this Men in Tights version? Um, you can expect really dumb jokes. Like it's it's just such a dumb film. Like I grew up on this film. Um, like it was my go to comedy as a kid. So I can quote it word for word and. The jokes aren't particularly good. Just going to put it out there. Um, I love it. It's one of my favourite films. Um, but, you know, just expect the the Robin Hood legend just being spoofed and, you know, breaking the fourth wall a bit, some dumb songs. Um, yeah, it's great. I love it. Um, mm. You know, there, there, there are archery contests and things like that, so wonderful yeah yeah because it's generally it's like archery it's like he comes back from war he's lost his place and then and the the sheriff of nottingham's like taking taxes money and he's like what and then then there's some archery and then there's lady mary marion Miriam, marion marion ah you know and she's i don't know how she's connected to uh, she's gonna get married and i don't know uh, <laughs> that's why she's called marion yeah, I never understood where she sat. Was even as a girl, I was like, I didn't understand because like, she was a lady. Mm. So, what, was she a betrothed to the prince or the sheriff? I was always very confused. Every movie mm. as a kid, I never really got because, like in the Disney one, it was like she was in a tower. She's yeah. like, oh. like I never really. It slightly changes from version to version because I'm obsessed with the Robin Hood legend. I always was. Mm. Uh, so I've, I've literally got all the books, all the movies and TV shows, and they, they slightly change it each time. So sometimes she's like the ward of the sheriff. Sometimes she's engaged to, to Gisborne. Uh, sometimes she's engaged to the other bad guy whose name I'm currently forgetting. Um, sometimes she was previously like betrothed to Robin. And then of course he went off to war and she was abandoned for four years and he came back and tried to win her heart again. But she was like, no, you left me behind. How could you? Um, and then sometimes yeah. she runs off into Sherwood and just hangs out also, you know, doing archery and being a badass. So very much mm. depends. Yeah. It's sort of, as Sarah said, it fluctuates. And, uh, of course in the 1989 sitcom uh sometimes she has the merry men as in maid marion and her merry men which was um a series that um uh, tony robinson uh, worked on uh Baldrick, oh. back in back in britain yeah so uh, yeah her, her story gets changed quite a lot through the different versions i actually can't remember the last time i watched this film sarah um so i don't recall what version of marion it is in this film um yeah. And I, I and I will be curious to see how how well it stands up um, to the to the I guess giggle test um, because I as people have listened to this program before will know I'm a big fan of Mel Brooks comedies and Men in Tights is not in my top three uh, it's it's not one of the ones that's like up there for me personally but it's also I've remembered enjoying it each time I've watched it. So I, I am curious. It has been a long time since I've sat down and watched it. I'm really curious to see how those dumb jokes stack up. Because sometimes a dumb joke is is brilliant. And other times 
it's not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. I remember Harry and I like tried to get Janice because we saw the three amigos up on television and she'd mm. never watched it. And Harry and I had not watched it since we were kids. And we were like, Janice, you gotta watch the three amigos. Uh, we were like, this is not a good, like the first opening five minutes was pretty funny, like old mm. Hollywood. And then it just, we were like, oh, wow, this is bad and sexist and racist and the jokes aren't even this good mm. and Janice hated us. Um, so <laughs> we, we stopped it pretty early. But it was the same with like A Knight's Tale. I think myself oh, really? and another person, yeah, Brad was like, we were like telling Karen, you got to watch The Knight's Tale. And Australia's internet was so bad and it wouldn't load up because this was stand was still early and, you know, when it just never worked mm. for ages. Like, And we finally got it on and we're sitting there watching it and we're like, oh, no, this is not as good as we thought it was when we, like, we'd grown as, like, viewers and it just wasn't a good movie and I now understood why it didn't do well review-wise mm. when it first mm. came out. And, mm. yeah, so I hope it's not, I, well, it's Mel Brooks, so I doubt it'll be like that, but, you know. Yeah, I guess we'll just have to take the plunge and see. So uh, are yeah. you both ready to watch Robin Hood Men in Tights? Yes. Don't start. I haven't turned my TV on yet. Oh, no, is this you. okay again so are we are we timing it where it's like a and go like because what happens if i what happens if i start a bit late um okay i will confirm these details with you uh once we've stopped recording this once bit. we're off the podcast yes. you know what i don't think the listeners need this sorry yeah, yeah no it's, yeah. it's no, lovely it. it's it's really nice they get this behind the scenes look at just how uh disorganized i am when it comes to relaying this information well so, yeah before we started you were like oh i just got to double check that it's definitely on abc I've, i was like <laughs> how else am i meant to watch it i was very like, I, can't... I was very confident that it was on there so uh, yeah. and it is um so with all that being said uh, it's time for us to jump into the film so pop in those dvds load up those streaming services and prepare to find out why it's good to be the king as we watch robin hood men in tights. And welcome back everybody. We have just finished watching Robin Hood Men in Tights. I'm joined once again by my special guests, Dr. Sarah Curtis. Ba -ba -da -ba! And Kate Willoughby. We're <laughs> doing sounds. I don't know. That was the that was the only thing that could just popped in my head. Uh, Kate, that was your first time watching um, Robin Hood Men in Tights. What did you think? Um, I mean, yeah, it was all right. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think there mm -hmm. was some there was some good solid. I mean, it's, you know, it's Mel Brooks, so. Um, there was some good solid little play on words, solid references. There were a couple where like through our messaging, I was like, I'm assuming this is a reference to something mm. uh, uh, just because like pop culture references mean that they're going to age. Um, and this came out the year I was born. Mm. So mm. there are some that I, so I think the jokes that work on uh, the play on words I think, you know, all that that are jokes, physical jokes within themselves, I think held up a lot more than necessarily the uh, the pop culture jokes or jokes that even though they might have been pop culture or they might have been references, like work on their own. 
So um, I think a good example is like when you're like, oh, that's the, you know, Costello reference, but it was like, hey, and he's like, I hate that guy. Mm. I assumed that the way it was shot, I was like, oh, is this a reference to something? Um, but the joke worked on its own. If I was like, didn't think it was a reference at all or even questioned it, that joke still worked. But then there were others where I was like, oh, this is clearly a reference to something and I now I have to look it up. Um, yeah, like uh, like the chop that the sports crowd do, which we have now discovered is a Florida State University uh, sports thing. So Yeah, that's like based in like like racial stereotypes of like first nations people um Mm. and i was just like oh okay cool like there was a couple there was a handful of like just racist jokes and i was like yeah um and sexist jokes and i was like yeah um some of them worked worked like you know but you know most of they were just most of the jokes worked but there were a couple where you're like um Mm. Yeah, and I, I think certainly that's something that we'll uh, get onto as we review this this film. Because um, yeah, Sarah, when was the last time you watched this film? Possibly in the nineties. Right, so it's been a while. It has. <laughs> oh, but you have the DVD. Uh, I bought it. I, I definitely like rebought it because oh, I didn't have it on tape. I used to like uh, take it out of the video, video easy. I used to like rent it every Friday night. Oh mm. yeah, yeah. And I was like, I need a copy of this. And then I don't think I ever really watched it. I may have watched it once in the early 2000s. Mm. So uh, it's yeah. it, a little while. Yeah. Watching this movie made me want to watch Princess Bride. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was I, like, I was like, that is a better movie um, and funnier. <laughs> um, but it's got some great, like, when I was, every time I watched the sword fights, I was like, man. I'm so glad he was in Princess Bride. Like, and I think he would have been going, man, I'm so happy I did Princess Bride because he's sword fighting and this was really good. Mm. And um, they could actually show the actors. And I think the guy that played the sheriff, um, I wouldn't be surprised if, because again, I don't know much about the actors. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a stage actor. Mm. Like he had, a, he had a very, yeah, he had a very like strong, like presence that works very much for theatre. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, if he did theatre, that he had done a lot of um, stage combat because the yeah, sword fighting scene. I uh, wouldn't well, be surprised if he, if I found out he was a Shakespearean actor, to be honest, because well, uh, Rod- sword fighting was... Yeah, Roger Rees, um, who sadly is no longer with us. Um, he passed away about seven years ago. Um, but Roger Rees oh. was, um, was a widely known stage actor, yes. He won an Olivier Award and a Tony Award uh, for his performance oh, as wow. the lead in The Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby. So, yeah, he, he was more of a stage actor, but has a you know pretty decent filmography. Um, was in know, The West Wing, you know, he, was excellent. As indeed was every other working actor in the late 90s and early 2000s, <laughs> Sarah. But yes, he was in The West Wing. He was also in The Scorpion King. <laughs> we won't hold that <laughs> oh, okay. He was King Ferron in that. Um, so yeah, his filmography is is. I'm, I'm always looking through it. It's it's the Pink Panther movie from 2006. It's Garfield: A Tale of Two Kitties. It's not the top stuff, but uh, yeah, we, no. Was, but you know what? He would have owned it. Yeah, you know, like they. That's like they would have been roles that are bad, but like a theater actor would have gone, oh, this is a pantomime. Yeah. I, I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, and I think mm. that's and you saw it all through like the sheriff, like just mm. really. Like that was a theater sort of villain, and um, hmm. and that again, I think that's why the sword fighting was really good between them. Because if he was a theater actor, he would have done stage combat, especially if he was in theater. You know, through the eighties and nineties, and if he'd done Shakespeare and like 
yeah so yeah. the sword fights were really cool to watch um and their interactions and it was the best acting that Carrie did was when he was sword fighting mm. um and playing like he has a little he's not look let's be honest he's not there's a reason why he doesn't have a lot of work he's not the best actor but the role of being Errol Flinney but in like a really douchey way mm. he nails wonderfully um but can the man do other things probably not I've I, mean, I haven't do a bunch of horror films season three of stranger things would beg to differ he was the mayor of hawkins um i haven't watched season three of stranger things well one of them well more fool you both because he's excellent in it and that show is excellent. is he good in that like because when is, i remember seeing yeah. him in ella enchanted he was so good as the villain like he plays like so ella enchanted i loved him as the really crappy evil king or whatever hmm. but the thing is is that he plays he plays sort of that you know 2d character really well like mm. i think of the archetypes i think he's a you know what there's a better thing he's a he what a great archetypal actor he's I mean, an archetypal he actor he, he really there's is nothing wrong with that yeah he, i mean he, he 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 is basically every time i see him in this and in princess bride i think oh there's adult macaulay culkin like like that's kind of just the vibe that you get from him but but he is very good as you say as as the sort of um Errol Flynn archetype. He's he's charming. He's pantomimic. He's a little bit over yeah. the top, but without being the wildest character in the film. Because with yeah. it being a comedy on Robin Hood, those wilder characters need to be the other merry men, and honestly, it needs to be Prince John or the Sheriff of Rottingham. In this case, the yeah, Sheriff. He, yeah, he does a great job of like of playing the straight man, but not being. Like he does a good job of it because he he mm. could that could have been a really flat character that mm. could have like if you had the wrong actor playing Robin Hood that easily could have been yeah a, not a very not funny role and he managed to own it really well mm. um but yeah I think there were some really good little moments and I yeah mm. but like I don't think it was the best uh, no and that's that's the thing is I, I, I having watched this. I feel a little bit vindicated, but quite sad, uh, which is that um, Robin Hood men, men in Tights, I said even beforehand, is not my favourite of the Mel Brooks films. It's mm. it's not as bad as Dracula Dead and Loving It, which I think is still the nadir of um, of Mel Brooks films. And that came after this, I believe, which was yeah. Les Leslie Nielsen as Dracula. And that should work. And it didn't, uh, which is really annoying. Uh, but but the, the fact is, is Robin Hood Men in Tights, I, I, it's funny and there are mm. fun moments to it, but I don't think as a film it's as cohesive as Brooks's earlier work, particularly when you compare it yeah. to like Young Frankenstein or Blazing Saddles, which are the two that well, I, I, mean, I think are the best. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where like, you know, they're going, he wants to, he wants to, you know, where the sheriff goes and tells the, which that scene of like, can you say it in a happier way? Very mm. funny. But like him going, he wants to dethrone you. He wants to take you away. Like he speaks to him a little bit, like right at the beginning and then like cuts his singing the horse. But he, you know, it. we don't see like that whole like take from the rich and give to the poor. We see none yeah. of that. Like he literally then goes, we've got all these men. Like, to you know, so he's, and then everybody loves him mm. and, you've, and you've not seen him do anything. Mm. Like you've, you've not seen him do anything that makes people go, oh, yeah, this is why we 
this is why we love the guy. Mm. Like, you know, I wouldn't have minded if they had brought back, even if it was like a montage, because then, you know, rules of three, that would have been funny. I wouldn't have mind if they had the 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 men in black um, chorus, uh, you know, rappers doing their hey, nonny, nonny, and just doing yeah. like a montage yeah. of going, you know, and like they did at the beginning, they're like, yeah, we're not going to do the flames and all the fire. We're just going to tell you what happened and now here we are and i think that would have been funny of going you don't need to see you don't need to see him saying giving money or to the poor you just need to see the quick montage of us singing and then people's money being gone and then the sheriff going you know like and then some arrows and then the whole hey not like you like just that one song and Mm. then the song ending Mm. and then the then prince john just going this is ridiculous Oh, I'm just picking up on Kate's point about the fact that we don't see Robin doing anything good. I think from, uh, I guess, a more modern perspective, if they were doing that deliberately, uh, it could be a a comment on the fact that he doesn't actually earn anything that he gets. Like everyone loves him. He doesn't earn it. Marion falls in love with him, like for no reason whatsoever. Like, It's completely unearned, which I think, you know, he's a straight white dude in England. Of course he didn't earn any of his acclaim and any of that love. That's just how it how, how it seems to be. So it could oh. be like a mm. sneaky, woo, patriarchy thing. It's not, um, but that's a more modern take. Mm. I guess, like, with that being said, you know, yeah, like he spends a lot of time doing speeches, and I did love that, like where he just keeps talking. Everyone's like, okay, great. Um you know, and I think that kind of that would have, I think that would have been funny if it worked. If they had, yeah, shown that more. Like I, like I thought they were going to do a reference to when they were like, "Oh, we should just have these fake soldiers because they're better." And then he was like, "Oh, that's really good." It would have been cool to see that. Like if you wanted that kind of mm. reference of like, you know, he does the whole like, "I can do it by myself," but then he needs all the merry men to help him. But then if he still got the acclaim, and then you were like well a did most of the work mm. like you know I uh, like I think especially because he was like we're gonna give to the poor and blah 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 and then it's like yeah but it's your land you're just upset that they took your land and then in the end the king's like here's your land back and he's like yeah like mm. so I think if they were, it was there I think that's the thing with the movies that there were these there were these funny elements and I feel like there was just something missing like there were some scenes with the gags that didn't have to go longer like like that whole Godfather scene, it was yeah. funny. And if you were short <laughs> well, for time, you didn't need it. Like you could have, hmm. you could have, or it could have been half. You know what I mean? Like it could have been like half the length, or it. Um, mm. Yeah, I, there was. Just- uh, it's interesting because I mean the 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 actor who's playing the the Godfather Dom DeLuise is is a staple of Mel Brooks films and he was very good in that he's very good in most things that he's in um, but but oh, that scene that's that scene is kind of like it it feels very indulgent and it it, it I think it suffers yeah. a little bit that we are thirty years almost on from this film coming out which means that we are. 30 years more saturated in Godfather references, which were not as prevalent when this film came out. And so having somebody like Dom DeLuise taking the mick out of a still alive Marlon Brando um, in in that scene would have probably been much funnier because it was yes. rarer. Uh, but, but in terms of looking at this film and its pacing, which, it, you know, it's a comedy film that's essentially a series of sketches 
pacing is always a bit weird when you do that. And Mel Brooks films have got some yeah. really interesting issues with pacing where some of them are really on point. Spaceballs, I, I don't personally think is one of his best films, but it no. actually works as a structured film, as a basically Star Wars structured film. It it, it works and the pacing in that film is, is okay. Um, but yeah, this, this film just yeah. feels a bit all over the place with that. And, like, and um, I mean, hmm. oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, you finish. No, no, I'm done. Oh, no, no, I was just about to say like a, a good example of where I was like, that's just weird of where they, where they call obviously the rabbi to marry them. And obviously the gag of, you see that he's doing the circumcisions half price or whatever. Half off. And then it's like half off. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they show it pan and then they hold it and then they, then they bring the camera down lower and then you wait a bit longer and then he pops his head out and I'm like watching it going and I and I feel like a dick so I'm like oh yeah Mel Brooks but I'm in the back of my brain I'm like come on mate pacing like why why is this a long pan like there were moments mm. where some jokes mm. really worked and then there were some where it just felt it it, it, it weirded out the pacing of the film like so not so there was like I think there were like two pacing issues there was like pacing issue like story-wise like with what you said like the sometimes it felt like sketches in little mini scenes and then there was some pacing wise where joke wise where I think yeah maybe with the time it you know the you know like the Marlon Brando it would have been funnier so you wouldn't have felt it and maybe now you feel that weird pacing now but there are also just some joke scenes that just felt yeah I don't know like the timing felt off this film does do some things well i i, I think it should oh, be pointed yeah. out it's not a bad film and it's quite funny and you know that you know um leave us alone mel brooks at the start of the film with the village being set on fire is great there's lots of these little moments which really stand out sarah i'd be curious to know as a robin hood aficionado uh, what what um comedy moments from this film stand out for you i think the the strength of this film is it's one-liners uh, you know, it's it's the the main comedy that still works is the stuff like you know leave us alone Mel Brooks. It is, I don't know, Maid Marian's accent. It just oh. kills me every time. I'm so happy, like shit, like that. Like, it just gets more and more over the top. The, the moving mole, like it's just the really simple stuff where you don't have to understand the reference either to other films, uh, literature, or Robin Hood itself. It's when they're just doing one line, mm. uh, you know, if or you know, if they are referenced something, it's something like Shakespeare, you know, with the, oh. the ears being thrown. No, I was about to say I loved the the shake. The, it's not Shakespeare, Shakespeare, but when they were by the tree and they were kept doing the twas, the twer, <laughs> like when they were about like getting ready to kiss and their accents, they were like twas only twer twer, and I was like, that's so stupid, and I love it. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah there's yeah, lots of there's. Yeah, there's lots of lovely moments like that, that, and I do think that the one-liners really do stand out, which is, you know, again, a pretty consistent strength of a lot of Mel Brooks's films. So, you know, the scripts that he puts together have got great one-liners. Sometimes the whole scene is just there, so you can have a one-liner, which is, um, you know, like a mime is a terrible thing to waste. Like that's thirty seconds of the film we don't need, but it's funny. So, yeah, it's no. It, well, that yeah. was the thing. Like one of the first jokes, like I like when with the son where he was just like um what was it he was he was cocksure and and hard or is it the other way around he, oh the other way around and i messaged headstrong you guys and, and cocksure like, 
or is it the other way around? And then I was like, does that mean he gives strong head and he, and he's got a short cock? And it, and I was just like, is that what he's saying? And so there was some really good like quick, uh, some really good quick one-liners that like. And my favorite, uh, well, not my favorite. There was a couple um, like when they had the with the the king and the rabbi and him going like father he's like rabbi he's like whatever and mm. then he goes dagger sword whatever like I was like that was some brilliant like pacing there and the fighting with um little John um and Robin Hood was so funny like it like just the was perfect pacing like with the music and then the, them just getting smaller and smaller um mm. yeah so there was some there was some really uh some really good little moments mm. which i um which i love and the men in tight song was very very funny um it was like uh, it was like one of those it was like a joke that i was like oh it, it you go oh yeah there's some there's some there's some homophobia there but also it's it's a song referencing masculinity and old hollywood and that kind of tights and you know it's it, so that works like I think it was one of those things where I'm like yeah I see where they're going with it and the song is still uh, funny even though it's dated um uh, but yeah I thought it was they had some really good one-liners in it it didn't necessarily feel like it was it didn't feel like the intention was mean I think from that perspective even though it is using language that is homophobic is is not particularly friendly to um uh, non-macho masculine identities. Um, it, it doesn't feel as though the song was designed to be like, and specifically, we don't like this. It was more, oh, this is a common misconception, but we're going to just play around with it. You know, like the, you know, like the line, you've got to be a real man to wear tights is quite a funny line. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is quite funny, uh, this many years on, seeing Dave Chappelle dressed as a woman. Just going to throw that one out there. That <laughs> I, you... All of them, all of the men, yeah, they had that scene where they all dressed mm. up as women. Mm. And I was like, why are the merry men dressed as women? Is this a reference to something? Because well, it they didn't a lot. need to. Mm. In, um, in a lot of Robin Hood media, um, there, there is a lot of the merry men in disguise. And sometimes, particularly in the Disney version, you see Robin Hood and Little John dressed as women and there's an extended scene in that film of robin hood and little john oh. as these soothsaying women in the 73 disney cartoon um but yeah I, I was more just kind of going oh dave Chappelle, how how you fell so very very far from from where you were here um yeah it's but it, it is interesting the the one of the things that does kind of kill some of the enjoyment for this film is the fact that some of that language I kind of feel like maybe they could have even known better in the '90s, as opposed to you know, oh yeah, yeah, some of it like there's no Brooks, you know, yeah, expected them to know better and do better is also probably not going to happen. That's that's true, uh, but yeah, there's a difference between um, cheeky shots of uh, buxom ladies where you can see their face, then there's a grid, and then you can see their their uh, cleavage pretty Just clearly their boots, lined up. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of like, okay, that's not great, but that's also sort of the postcard humour thing that existed, particularly in the mid-20th century in places like Britain and America. But that's very different from then having Tracy Ullman literally referring to a newt as being a transsexual because she's cut his testicles off, which just feels like... And again, I think Tracy Ullman is fantastic in this film playing that character. But that line just makes me go, ooh. Oh goodness! <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I mean, it was the nineties. 
as well so that that kind of people is very common um unfortunately which Um, is just just kind of like okay okay this is this this isn't great but again i i feel like it comes back to this with mel brooks he is a a fairly frequent uh if we want to refer to it in this language a fairly frequent offender uh in terms of using uh sexist and homophobic language in his films but rarely is is that ever used where those identities are the butt of the joke deliberately they are still the butt of the joke in some of them i'm gonna completely acknowledge that and it does make some of the stuff he's made problematic yeah go back to our episode on history of the world part one (laughs) where we discuss that in detail um but yeah it it is it's unfortunate because it does really undercut the funny stuff that is without harm like those good one one liners you know things like that um I, i mean kate you were our first time viewer for this one did did it put you off wanting to watch other Mel Brooks films that you haven't seen? Um, well, I think what would be interesting was if I had never watched other Mel Brooks films, I probably would have gone, oh, I, like, oh, I've heard he's a bit of a big deal, but I don't super get it. Like, if mm. this was the, like, I think if this was the first one, I think I would have been like, oh, okay. Um, I have seen his other stuff, though. Like, mm. I, so I think I was... You know, um, and also, if you had no context of who he was as a comedy writer and who, like, who, who he was, he's not dead. Hmm. Um, well, no, I, uh, let me as just of, check as of, this yeah, recording. As of, <laughs> as of I mean, the twenty fourth of the seventh, twenty twenty two, he's still alive. Um, but you know, and I mean, that was the thing. His thing of um, being able to joke about anything, and also, um, you know, his use of humor of where he came from as um, as a Jewish man and, you know, growing up after, you know, World War II and, like, anti-Semitism and stuff like that and about humour. And so where a lot of his jokes come from is um, a lot of the time the idea of not, yeah, pushing other people down because of, uh, you know, it's sort of more of that, I guess, egalitarian sort of thought structure where a lot of his jokes come from is that I think a lot of his jokes come from oh I I view everyone as an equal Mm. so everyone's fair game um and I think in a lot of his work that's where you sort of see it Mm. um and when you see his interviews and how he talks about stuff I think that is a very genuine thing from his part is that anything he says it comes from a uh you know, I don't think anything less of you. These are just jokes and genuinely means it. Um, I don't think that necessarily excuses all the humour, but also that's the way how comedy changes. That's another thing. Like this film is over, you know, this film is over 20 years old. He's been doing films for a long time. So that he was already an older writer, which is honestly, I also think why a lot of his later films were, you know, necessarily seen as, not as funny is just because mm. the humor style was changing in, in cinema in the 90s as well um so i think if you if you looked at something as a comedy from 20 30 years ago there are going to be some jokes that just don't that you might not find funny anymore mm. i could still enjoy mm. the film um you know uh, but that being said i still just sort of went oh okay it was you know or like made mary she does nothing like it was just sort of like it you know, so you're just like, ah, uh. um, yeah, I don't know if that's a, it's a very like middle ground answer. <laughs> I, 
you know, because um, I because I'm also a white lady, so I can pretty much, you know, people. I think people have different opinions if they watch it. So, yeah, and um, I can yeah. really only speak about it as a queer person, but I'm still a white lady, um, so I can mm. talk about Miriam. But yeah, Sarah, did you have any additional thoughts on that? Uh, well, not really on the comedy. I'm not exactly the uh, the comedian of the group. Um, you do well, anyone can award. find something funny. If you like it, no, like if you watch something, an audience because it's the audience that say what's funny. You know what I mean? Like comedians can go, oh, this and this, and you can talk about the elements of a joke and what makes something funny. But at the end of the day, it's also the audience. So if you find it funny, you find it funny. The discussion would be why you find it funny, and the discussion about like why you, you know, but that's a whole other thing. So you can talk about comedy because you're an audience yeah. member. Well, I'm very, as an audience member, very hard to please when it comes to comedy. I'm very much of the opinion that the joke only works the first time. Uh, if I rewatch something, I will not find it funny again if I found something yeah. funny before. Uh, if I've heard the joke, that's it, it's done. Like the punchline is already set up in my head. So I'm, I, I didn't laugh watching this because I've watched it that many times. So I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember that, that's fun. But it's not like I'm sitting here like laughing out loud. Like the only time that actually happens is if it catches me by surprise. Um, so I, I, that's one of my struggles with comedy is people, let's go see that again. That was so funny. I'm like, yeah, but I've seen the joke now. Mm. So, you know, yeah, that's why, you know, if I, if I go see something, I want it to be for the first time. I want it to be that live experience with an audience so I can, you know, experience that standout moment of, yeah, that's it. It's happened rather than, you know, rewatching something on YouTube millions of times until it's just dead. I, I don't know about you, Kate, but as uh, someone who works in professional comedy, uh, that thought terrifies <laughs> me that there might be audience <laughs> members out there because we definitely recycle material every now and then. <laughs> well, and I mean, there I are some people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are some people that love. I mean, obviously, lots of people that love watching stuff multiple times. You you will come to some shows, not for me, but I'll see other comedians where people will say, "Oh, someone that likes me invited their friends because." they were like, oh, you're going to do this joke. And like, they don't do the joke. So, you know, there are people that do like seeing stuff again and again. I think there's a reason why, you know, people, why Monty Python, when everything was put on YouTube, everyone, you know, they blew up again because everyone enjoyed watching their stuff over and over again. But I also think some jokes work. In my opinion, some jokes work as a, when you rewatch them. And then some jokes only work if you don't know what's coming. I think there I think there are two types of jokes like where you can enjoy it because of the way it's done and then the jokes that only really work as a punchline um so like the uh, I think like the comedy fight scene I think if I watched that again I think I would still chuckle like I, I think that was really the only joke because again I was by myself where when little John went for the last hit and the music picked up I audibly went <laughs> like I literally I and because I'm by myself, it was the only time. And I feel like if I saw that fight again, I would really enjoy it. Mm. You know, I'd still find it funny and I'd still find the pacing work. Um, would I laugh out loud again? Maybe not because the surprise is gone. But I think it would still be a huge, I could still go, that's a very funny fight scene. Um, while, yeah, I don't know if that, I just yes ended what you said. I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, it's, it, it, it's good improv practice. So, so good stuff. Um, I feel like because we just did a mini debate of like, is Mel Brooks, is this funny? Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I think there might be other people listening that are like, shut your mouth. He's great. Um, there were some genuine, I feel bad that my first thing about it was like, poo, boo. Um, 
there were some genuinely like really I think the, the details to costumes was like for references were very very funny there were okay, some costumes well, that looked so terrible but like the sheriff stars um yeah. the Alan Rickman like look throughout the movie I kept going god Alan Rickman would have his character mm. the way Alan Rickman acted in Prince of Thieves mm. would have just worked in this like they could have just put scenes of Alan Rickman in Prince of Thieves into this film and you've gone, oh, great, it's, it's, it works. Um, so the, throughout the film I was going, oh, man, oh, Alan Rickman would have also killed this. Um, uh, you know, so there were some really great comedic performances, like so many, like pretty much every actor, every small role. And I do like that about Mel, Mel Brooks and I think that also comes from that sketch style, style comedy mm. is that he gets... You know, from whether you're the screaming boy or, you know, or just like a really minor role, like the person taking the castle or, you know, just little small parts, he always picks comedic people or, you know, comedic performers that have worked in sketch or a television, you know, um, uh, sketch performers, comedians, like he gets funny people and the scenes work because of that. Um, And I think that's something that, yeah, makes even some of the jokes that don't work, everybody owns it. Like they just own the role that they're playing. They just own the timing and it just makes it so great. Um, also, uh, Will Scarlett O'Hara, that mm. was such Ooh. a funny, that was such a funny joke. Um, uh, and I, and I, and I'm still just like, oh, Will and little John just live in there, just live in their, their queer life together in the forest um because there's no other reason they like he winked like it was just I was like yeah the you're clearly meant to be okay sometimes people gay. can just be friends that are the same sex like it, it doesn't always have to be ways. doesn't always have to be a queer thing but in, in this oh, case in, in, in this case I'm willing to actually buy that because I was like oh yeah no I see it so <laughs> yeah it was just like I was like you look you put too many references of how straight you guys are Mm. You know, Mel Brooks even asks in Yiddish type thing, like I'm mm. assuming it means gay yeah. or something queer or something, and they're all like, "Oh no, like, no, we're, we're just married over each other." Yeah, we're just married, like that kind of, you know, because everyone's going, "Well, this is a bit, <laughs> this is a bit gay." Like you're mm. all, just, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I, was, I was trying to think of other comedy moments that really stood out, but I don't know why those stars on the sheriff just made me laugh. Like his little. I just saw it and I went, that is so funny. Just like little details and the mole moving and like. The exit yeah. sign randomly behind the, him. The exit sign and like, and him just going, oh, right rope. Like, you know, or like seeing the, the crew member during the sword fight. And I want to mm. believe that it was an actual crew member. You know what I mean? Like they went, hey, you two, you, you just want to stand here and for the shot, like, you know, it was just always the grip, you know, like, yeah, this would be funny, John, if you're in this, like, you know, mm. you know, just like, mm. and the the lake, you know, when like the little crossing, it's so small and like, yeah. And, I'm like, drowning, going, help. It's like, it's like, this is so small. And that, 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 that line to Kevin Costner of like, I have a British accent. I was like, oh, Oh, you, you know, Kevin Costner, you piece of shit. Like, I, you know, because <laughs> it was terrible. And I loved how, like, they keep talking, they keep calling it England, but it looks like it was clearly filmed in, like, California. Like, it it doesn't look like England at all. Like, the hills, 
I, like it was it shot in America? It looks like it was shot in America. Uh, I'm, no, just, it I'm just it having a look. I, I'm pretty. The hills look like LA. Like I've seen some TV shows or whatever, and it's had similar backgrounds. But maybe it was England, and it just was summer. Mm. They don't have summer there. I don't know. I, I would suggest by how fabricated all the castles great. looked. Um, yes. That they just didn't do what most Robin Hood films do if they're shot in England and just go to some English castles because they're always keen for that sort of thing. I know, to even though that's not what they would have looked like. I do love that the German one was like, oh, so drafty. Like, <laughs> but also just at, like little things of like clapping and then the candles just going and then the mm. candles popping up. I, like, I mean, just. The- for me, the camera the going bar. through the window in the bath scene is yes. fantastic. Just the slow yeah. zoom and then ching, and then the camera just slowly pulling away. Very, yeah, like very there's good. some, like, I, that's what I do love about Mel Brooks is that, that he'll just, like you said, any sometimes some scenes are just in there for a joke, but literally every scene he puts in is where can this be funny? Um, and also I think allowing the actors to be funny because I can guarantee but that scene with Tracy, um, Tracy Ullman on the bed with the sheriff, when she turns and goes, I was this close, I touched it. And she says that. And I swear I heard like a little muffled laughter in the back. Like I, and because the way it was done of like, I almost, I almost like I touched it. It felt like an improvised, like it felt improvised where she just looked in the camera and just said it and ju- and someone behind the camera like all the actor playing the sheriff mm. was just off camera and like tried to muffle it like it wasn't planned and they went no we're keeping it you can't really hear it we're gonna keep it in there I maybe I'm wrong but I it- I, I agree <sighs> because I think that that whole scene like not the whole scene was improvised but I think quite a bit of it like him saying I've got a headache that was a headache. Improvised to me. Yeah, it felt like throwing two improvisers and theater people and going, "Have fun." And um, yeah, uh, while some others felt very staged, obviously. But yeah, it's every scene could be a possible joke. Like a Melbourne scene is like it's not just one joke. It's can you add another joke? Can you add a background joke? Can you add a reference to that background joke? Is a reference to another joke while also paying a lot of homage out of respect to the original films because I was watching one of the sword fight scenes and I went that feels like I've seen that before um as in like from pop culture and realizing that it's it's a homage to the one of the original Mm. Robin Hood films um of Errol Flynn and I was like that's just so cool the the sequence where um Robin crashes the party and comes in with the boar over his shoulders is really reminiscent of the Errol Flynn scene, mm-hmm. that, that same scene from the Errol Flynn movie. Yeah. Um, in, in that case, uh, Errol Flynn brings in a, a deer and he does drop it on the table um, in front of uh, Prince John. Uh, obviously, there's a few more quips and the, the wild boar joke was very good. No, that's a wild pig. Very good. You're a wild boar. That's really lovely and sets <laughs> it up 
beautifully for their sort of antagonistic relationship. And yeah, you're right. There was a lot of things they did um, that, that evoked both more contemporary films like Prince of Thieves, uh, but also that that 38 um, sort of standard bearer, like the, the the shot where Robin and Rottingham are fighting and we see their shadows and then they have a little shadow puppet fight. There's a very famous shot in in the 38 version where you see the shadows fight for a bit and then uh, Robin and I think it's Guy of Gisborne in that version um, uh, continue their fight. So they're fighting on screen for a bit and then they, they physically go off camera, but you see their shadows on the wall. And then as Perfect. the shadows move, they then come back into the, into the camera field of vision and keep sword fighting. And there's lots mm. of nice little touches like that. It, it's not an incredibly well shot film, but the way it's shot works no. for the jokes. Uh, I, yes. I would also say, I'd just like to give two quick shout outs. Uh, one to Blinken, who I think is very, yeah. very funny. Um, more more so because of the actor's delivery than I think anything that was written particularly. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel as though Blinken's got a lot of, I mean, fairly obvious jokes for having a character that can't see, but I think uh, Mark, <laughs> Mark Blankfield in that role it just does a tremendous job with the material. Um, I, I particularly just loved, what are you doing up there? Guessing? <laughs> I <laughs> guess nobody's coming? Like, just so, <laughs> that's so, It, it yeah. only works because of his delivery. Like, yeah. 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 And also a shout out for Patrick Stewart, who turns up as the King of England at the end, King Richard. Uh, and so funny. He's great. He's, he's really wonderful. And then switches from an English accent to a Scottish accent, uh, taking the mick out of Sean Connery from Prince of Thieves. And it's... Yeah. But, but Patrick Stewart is a genuinely good King Richard. Like, you know, he's a fantastic so actor. Good. And I'm like, yeah, I believe more so than most other King Richards. Like, I believe that Patrick Stewart is, is King Richard. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, that's great. And I'm like, he was so good. And I was like, did he get it because of Star Trek? Like, was he, you know, or did they go, yeah, this is a really strong actor? Like, because I'm trying to think of when in the world, because it was made in like, well, he, the remember, early he, was 90s. Also a, he was also a big uh, stage actor as well. So there's a lot of. Oh, no, no, no. I know that. But I'm just trying to think of like where Mel Brooks would have gone. Oh, he done a few like, years. Was it a? Was it a? Was it a? Oh, we know him from Star Trek, and also he's a very prominent, like, uh, theatrical actor. Or was it? Oh no, we know like him from theater, and he, he seems really serious. A lot of kings around that time, yeah. so it would have been a bit of both. Yeah, and and he's he's towards the end of his run in um, Star Trek: Next Generation at that time period. Um, so okay, yeah, so because yeah. he would have been a name, the way that they titled him as well, like when at the end, I was like, yeah, like people mm. sh would it should know who he is. Um, I, I also yeah. really, I also really like that um, we don't get those big name cameos in that initial title crawl at the start of the film when the village is being burnt yeah. down. So they are a surprise. Like Mel Brooks appearing in his own film is not surprising, but it is a surprise when he turns up as um, Rabbi Tuckman. The Rabbi. Because you, so funny. And it's a great use of Mel's um, Jewish background and just sort of applying his own twist to to the Robin Hood yeah. tale, I thought was really good. Oh, it was and him really taking great... the piece out of Catholicism about how like the new Latin <laughs> because like obviously constantly as someone like I'm technically a Catholic as my nan says because I was baptized so she said but imagine an Irish accent going you were born a Catholic and you'll die a Catholic um 
uh, you know, it's sort of that they change what they do in church all the time, like of how eventually they greet each other in the language. And so him just taking the piss out of the Latin was so funny. Um, but anyway, sorry. No, no, it's it, 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 it. No, it's it's fair. And um, it it's. I just thought it was really nice that, yeah, that like even having Dick Van Patten, who is just the abbot, like he's only in it for a couple of minutes as, as, um, Hey Abbot. Um, but, but, you know, he, he's a regular of, um, Brooks's stuff as well, like Dom DeLuise. Uh, it was just nice seeing them get their little credit towards the end, uh, in, in sort of the, and here are the big names, which, which was quite nice. Um, I just found it really weird that, they all thought that Rottingham's name being Mervyn was funny. Uh, yeah, it, I don't know why that was funny. It could be because, I mean, I have an uncle Mervyn. So Mervyn for me, whilst not a common name, is a name that I'm familiar with. And just, I just don't know what it was about him being called Mervyn that was meant to be funny. I don't know either. What do you know, Sarah? Is this, or is it just because I, it's a weird I, name? I think it's just because it's a weird name. Like, I'm trying to think back to when I first watched this to see if I found it funny. I don't think I did, but I would have been like six. Mm. Is um, it just a nerdy name? Possibly. I, I mean, I mean, it's a very Irish name, um, a very you know Gaelic sort of name. But um, what's it mean? Uh, if it's how... if it's based off my uncle, I can't say on air <laughs> what it means. <laughs> uh, but uh, it oh, means rapscallion, uncle. I would say. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, if the name had been Cecil, for example, Cecil is a name which I've heard used in other things. And it's got a slightly funny sound because of the double sus in there. Um, but yeah, it, it just seemed like a weird name yeah maybe it's just meant to be a, like a stupid name like if his name was egbert I... or you know something like that like i think there is a comic uh, there is a list of names that we all agree are a little bit funny and i just don't think mervyn belongs on that one well i keep i'm looking it up and people are like <laughs> like when you go why was mervyn funny in robin hood and that google's like yeah a lot of people have asked this <laughs> um <laughs> Some like one answer was like apparently it's a kind of wedgie. I had to look up the meaning. I like so yeah, I don't may yeah, I have no idea, but I think a lot of people have gone like, oh, it was just a stupid name. Well, that will be a mystery lost to time, I think. Uh would you like some trivia about uh, Robin Hood Men in Dides? Yes. Okay, all of this trivia is sourced from IMDB, so if it's not true. Don't blame me. Uh, the first bit of trivia is that the scene where the sheriff falls for the roof of Latrine's room and she tries to have sex with him was completely improvised. So yeah, it wasn't Sam. scripted. Yeah, we called it. Nailed <laughs> yeah. it. Um, so yeah, the whole thing. They were just like, go to town. And when you say that to Tracy Ullman, that's what she does. <laughs> um, yeah, so Maybe fantastic. Maybe someone was laughing in the background then. All right, I, I bet they were. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, as you said earlier, Kate, the gag about Robin being able to speak with an English accent is a reference to Kevin Costner's performance from 91's Prince of Thieves. Viewers who, yeah, viewers who saw both movies uh, in a dubbed version uh, 
wouldn't be able to mm. get this gag. So for the German dub version, the gag was changed to because I, unlike some other Robin Hoods, do not cost the producers five million. So each different language had a different version of a joke about Kevin Cosner. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Uh, also, the German word Kosten, which means cost, is also pronounced a little similar to Kostner. In France and Italy, their dub versions translated as because unlike other Robin Hoods, I do not dance with wolves. Uh, in Quebec, oh, yeah. the translation is because unlike other Robin Hoods, I accept to wear tights, which referred to the fact that Kosner didn't wear tights in the 1991 movie. Uh, and in the Hungarian version, it says, because unlike Kevin Cosner, I have a shapely bottom, a reference to the infamous fact that Cosner used a body double in a nude scene. That is so funny. So just multiple different languages all Drag take that him. opportunity to shit on Kevin Cosner. I love that because they're like, do you want us to just add something? And like Mel Brooks was like, no, this is a Kevin Cosner call letter. I don't care. Make a pun in your own language about how shit he is. Like, it's just very cool. I, yeah. I love it. Um, Carrie Yules based his performance in The Princess Bride partly on Errol Flynn's uh, portrayal of Robin Hood from the 1938 film. Uh, it was Yules' performance in The Princess Bride that attracted Mel Brooks to casting him as Robin Hood in this film. Okay. See, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I will have to watch Princess Bride again because, uh, hmm. you know. Cool. Uh, this wasn't Mel Brooks's first Robin Hood parody. Uh, his previous attempt was a short-lived television series called When Things Were Rotten from 1975. Dick Van Patten, who plays the abbot in this film, played Friar Tuck in that series. Hmm. So I've not seen that one myself. I wasn't aware of it until looking up this trivia. But um, yeah. yeah, it's clearly something... Like that that was on Mel's mind for some time. I mean it's a good it's a good story. Everyone knows it. Like it's a simple story. And it and it gets used through pop culture because there is no copyright. Yes. I think like there's so yeah. many different versions of it as well. Like they can go, oh let's do the one where there's an archery contest. Oh let's, you know, rob from the rich. Oh let's, you know, do the this part of the Marion story. Like it's episodic. Hmm. So you can pick. Yeah. Eric Alan Kramer, who plays Little John, was not the first choice for the role. Apparently, uh, the original actor that was offered the role was Hulk Hogan. Ew, I'm so glad that he did it. The guy that played Little John was great. Yeah. Like, he had barely anything, but he held it. He felt well-rounded. Mm. You know, it, like, when he said no to the, to the, to the German maid, you know, because it's like, oh, she's fat and a German... Um, when he said get off me I it felt so like like a lost puppy like a mm. giant Labrador so when he was like hey man he's like whoa I, I'm sorry like it was you were like yeah he just managed to have that dumb Labrador mm. and and Hulk Hogan would have just been a douchebag yeah he, he, yeah like, he you wouldn't have believed gone, him uh, yeah he'd have been yeah. going get off me brother and it just wouldn't have worked oh, uh, <laughs> so red so red. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, maybe a good choice there to um, to to not have Mr. Hogan in that one. Uh, the final bit of trivia is that the hangman in this film, uh, played by Robert Ridgely, the character's name is uh, Boris, is the same character and actor who plays the hangman in Blazing Saddles. Oh, 
Um, so there is a little bit of Mel Brooks cinematic universe crossover there. Um, mm. So almost 20 years after playing the hangman in Blazing Saddles, he reprised the role for this film. Um, in this film, he wore the eye patch on his right eye in Blazing Saddles. It's over his left eye. Well, I mean, obviously, because this is a prequel because of the time period. Mm. So it's obviously his ancestor <laughs> because he comes from a long line of hangmen from yeah. England. And then when they migrated to the new world. Mm. But they're all named um, Boris. And my, yeah, it's my, a family yeah. name. My joy in seeing Robert Ridgely as Boris again, because I've seen this film before, but I'd never clocked it was the same actor and character from Blazing Saddles, because, again, Blazing Saddles is a tremendously funny film, and Boris is a very small but very funny part of that film. And so realising this time round that it was the same actor just made me very happy. Well, I've never seen, like I said, you seem really upset. I've never seen Blazing Saddles. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I've heard it's good, but I've, I've never watched it. Well, we will do it one day. Uh, I've been threatening this for many years that we'll do it one day. Uh, but um, oh. we, we, haven't, we haven't got around to it yet, but we'll do it when the time is right. Uh, I will Have just you say... done a Mel Brooks thing? We've done a few. We've done Young Frankenstein, Spaceballs, and History of the World Part One. So this is the fourth. Oh one. no, I was. I guess I was just surprised. Like you know how sometimes you have months. You know we're in a Robin yeah. Hood vibe. I was yeah. just surprised that you haven't done like a like a Mel Brooks section. I mean, we've um, he's not got, that you necessarily have to. No, but he's got enough films left that you know from from his filmography we could easily do that. You know we could do the producers, Blazing Saddles, Silent Movie. Um, um, any of the others that are escaping my yeah you know, Dracula Dead and loving it you know we could we could do a Mel Brooks <laughs> month um, and indeed maybe we should one day in the future that'd be that'd be lovely um, so all that remains is for us to score the film and Kate it was your first time watching Robin Hood Men in Tights what score would you give this film out of ten look mate I'm gonna give it <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give it like a five. I think um, there were some moments that I did genuinely laugh at, like that I enjoyed. There were some really good funny moments. I think the ensemble was really strong. I just, yeah, I think my brain went five because it's not a bad film, but it's not great. Um, and I, I was looking up the cast. Uh, I was like just looking up the cast list then when I was trying to look up Marvin. I was like, why is this funny? Um, and it look and it looks like the average rating, of course it's hard because like, you know, the tomato and all the online rating came after the internet. So any films that are pre any of that are always going to be a bit skewed in my mm. opinion. But it looks like the the number is sort of like 43%. And when I well 40-ish or 40 to 50. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, that makes sense because in my brain, I was vibing a five. Like I don't. It's not a shit film. It's, but I think I've seen other Mel Brooks films that are really good. And I think that this film had really good potential. And I feel like if it was just, if it was just left in the oven a bit longer, like if it was, I think if it was just, I think if it was just reworked a little bit or tweaked a little bit or some little changes, I think it could have been like a really, uh, yeah, one, like a really, really great film. Um, and instead it's it's a it's a it's an okay pretty good film that has everyone in the cast is great everyone mm. owns it they do a really good job mm. um, I think everyone had fun on set you know when you okay sorry for my ranting you know when you watch a play when the play is not great and then your friend comes out and they're like what do you think 
And then your general thing is either the set was great, the lighting was great, or you say, you looked like you had a lot of fun. Mm. You look and you're like, we did have so much fun doing the show. And you're like, great, because I could see that, but the play was shit. Like, you know, I enjoyed, it looked like everyone had a good time. I think everyone had a good time and, um, uh, you know, and good for them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the most damning with faint praise I've ever heard from you, Kay. It's, uh, but, but I think it's fair. I don't, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, so, I've got Mel Brooks on a high level as well, so I think I'm being extra like, you know, mate, we've seen mm. some really good stuff from you. But also he's hitting this, but that's comedy as well. I, honestly, I, I think I'm much the same, uh, which we'll get to when I score the film. But I think it, because of the high highs that Mel has achieved with some of his other work, when, when they don't quite reach there, you do judge a little bit more critically. Uh, yeah. Sarah, what would you give this film out of 10? So I've got like the goggles of nostalgia on. Like this mm-hmm. was the first Mel Brooks film I watched as a kid. And you know, yeah. I did watch it a lot as a kid. You know, I love the costumes. I love how dumb it is. Uh, it it does yeah. take a couple of hits for you know, the the sexism, the racism, the homophobia, the transphobia, all of that, mm. um, as any film would. Um, so that kind of like makes it a bit icky at times. Um, I yeah, I I still I still enjoyed it. You know, I still sort of sat there and yeah, this is fun. Like I wasn't one hundred percent paying attention to the film, so maybe that tells you something. Uh, yeah, I was mm. kind of doing other things as I watched. Um, so because of that, I think I will give it uh, six crimes of jaywalking out of ten. Oh, that was so funny. That, <laughs> sorry, like that, that like again, the, the police brutality and like jokes about like, yeah. yeah. I like, hope somebody's filming this. <laughs> yeah, just again, like it's always the jokes are meant to be with the people a lot of the time, mm. even if they are, get, even if they do get dated. Um, but no, I on your kid thing, I think if I saw this as a kid, you I think like if you're a kid watching this, you would enjoy it, mm. which again sounds damning, but I don't think it should be necessarily. Mm. Like I think there are some really good strong moments that I think as a kid you would enjoy it and it would be silly, but it would also be a swashbuckling adventure film, yeah. which I, yeah, which I think more kids should see. Yeah, well. I... Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I didn't have the the nostalgia goggles, despite the yeah. fact that I did see this when I was still a child. Um, but I'd already seen a few other Mel Brooks films and um, w- was maybe sort of already like, ah, oh, this didn't make me laugh as much as some of the other ones. But it's still uh, fun. Um, you know, it, it's still delightful. The performances, as you say, Kate, are, are really good fun. Everyone does a, a great job. Um, I can't think of anyone that I didn't enjoy watching on on the screen. I, I you know, I thought everyone did a did a really good job of being these over the top, outlandish characters. Uh, but I, I don't think it does the Robin Hood stuff very well. And no, that's no. that's a really interesting. I don't know if I would have necessarily been as bothered if I hadn't just watched three Robin Hood films coming into this for Robin Hood. <laughs> because now I'm comparing it to the Errol Flynn version, the Disney version, and the 1991 not Prince of Thieves version. Uh, and um, it's... It, yeah, it, it doesn't stack up to any of them in terms of uh, being a good Robin Hood tale, but it does do the classics. You know, there's 
the fight with little John on the bridge. There's the archery competition. You know, it's got all those. You know, yeah, Prince John, a little bit of a dick. Um, you know, like all all these things are there. But 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 yeah, it's. I think ultimately, it's it's humorous, but it's not funny. I think would be where yes. I, I kind of fall on it. Where I still like it. I still, I, I love Mel Brooks's really good stuff. I think he's an absolutely incredible performer, and I really hope he doesn't pass away in the like 70 hours between us recording this and this being released. Cause uh, one, I'll be devastated, but two would just be so unfortunate timing wise. Um, but, but yeah, he, he's produced some really incredible work. And the thing is, is this film is beloved by a lot of people who grew up with it, like um, Sarah. And it, it, it is a shame that it, maybe it doesn't quite live up to what it used to be. But I experienced that with um, when we did history of the world part one, I that was one of my absolute favorites of Mel Brooks and then when we rewatched it for this this program I went oh there's a lot more issues with this both in terms of content and in terms of it just being funny or not funny uh, than I remembered because you just remember the good bits and you remember the bits that really made you laugh um so I, I think that's a very long way of saying I'm giving this uh, five chafed willies out of 10 uh, because um it it's it's fine it's quite it's quite funny but it's sorry quite humorous but without without being funny and is a little bit charming but not as charming as other versions and it does feel as though something is missing or not not quite right and again it could just be a a thing to do with the fact that times have changed a little bit or we are not necessarily the audience this film was produced for i'm not sure what it is but it's just yeah it's very it's a very five out of ten film for me i I have to say i agree with you there kate yeah i think it yeah i think it was missing the robin hood like you know the archery literally was done the land no we're not going to show different nods the rest of you can bugger off yeah like the merry men like, I quote that all the time. Oh, that's such a good line. That is such a good line. Um, but it's not the best you know, way to dismiss your class when you're teaching, by the way, because I actually no. have done that. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, they sort of do skip a lot of the things that make Robin Hood Robin Hood. Um, and I, yeah, I honestly think, and again, it's gonna, it's not even a Mel Brooks film, but I'm like, if you like swashbuckling, if you like adventure, if you, if you want that humor and sort of that kind of world, watch Princess Bride. Like it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, which is bad that I'm saying that for a different film, uh, but yeah, no, it's fair. it, you know, I think that holds that kind of humor and that kind of fantasy world and that, that overarching storyline of epic adventure in there a bit better. Um, yeah. And if you want to watch good jokes about living in medieval England, go watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Like uh, the, yes. the, there are other films that have kind of done both. Especially when they did the trumpet thing. I went, well, that's like <laughs> Holy Grail. Like, you know what I mean? I went, it's the clop, 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 clop. Like, and I felt uh, bad that my first thought was like, oh yeah, Monty Python. Um, yeah. I would say, you know what? Watch Holy Grail and then go, oh, nom, nom, nom. and then watch Princess Bride. And then you've got two better films. And then just pretend that Mel Brooks made both of them. Funnily enough, those three films, Robin Hood, um, Holy Grail and Princess Bride, I used to watch all three of them like together, like almost as a trilogy. Mm. As I like, yeah, this is, I'm in this mood. I'm going to watch all three this weekend or something like that. Yeah. I mean, well, speaking of like your exit of like, now bugger off. I, nobody else, I, 
I feel like a crazy person because I do this all the time. Yet when the grandpa, it's um, when he goes to leave at the end, um, uh, which again, I didn't realize that it, he was the guy that played Columbo. I'd never watched Columbo. And I didn't realize this comedian did Columbo. And as the granddad, he was just doing his like Columbo-ness. I, I didn't know. But when he goes to leave and he grabs his book and every time he stands up and he goes, all right, okay. And he like does the pat, pat, pat. Anytime I'm leaving and I have to gather stuff, that's what I do because I grew up with that. So I go, all right, okay, what have we got? And I start doing Stephen just does that naturally because that's and, just who he is as a person. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm actively like graveling my voice and people are like, <laughs> and then I look up waiting for people to go, oh, Princess Bride, am I right? Like, like I think that people go, you know, no, it's not marriage. It's not nearly dead. It's yeah. Anyway, now that's um, that's lovely, and uh, we have uh, come to the end of this episode, and indeed, Robin Hood month. Uh, Kate and Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on this episode remotely. Oh, I I enjoyed zooming in with you, Stephen, and yeah, Sarah. thanks for being so remote, so that I didn't cough all over you. Yeah, oh, look, that's good. It, it, it's important to try and practice good COVID safe measures uh, when um, other people and organizations such as governments maybe won't. Uh, so, yeah, we're still yeah. in the pandemic, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, uh, but no, thank you. And, and Sarah, we obviously all help uh, that you are uh, fully recovered. And by the time this episode comes out, you will be uh, free to roam the world and mm, catch it again in a few months. Uh, seems to but until then, uh, staying well. Uh, and for those of you listening in, thank you so much for joining us, not only for this episode, but for Robin Hood Month. It's been tremendously good fun. Uh, what I've discovered is there's a lot of Robin Hood films. We may do another Robin Hood Month uh, down the track. Who knows? Uh, we, we still haven't done Prince of Thieves, despite the fact that it's been talked about basically this whole month. We've still not oh, reviewed what? it. So I'm sure we'll get I to I like it. it. Don't give point. don't give the people what they want. Give them <laughs> what they don't realize what they want. Yes, that's that's yeah. always a great way to get people to listen to your content is to not give them what they would like. <laughs> yeah, plus it's so catchy. You've all seen it. You've all seen Prince of Thieves listeners, but have you seen the other one that wasn't <laughs> What's it called? It doesn't it's even just have called like Robin a... Hood. It's just called well, Robin Hood, nineteen ninety one. Which is why they would have done Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I'm, hmm. I'm guessing because they would have gone, "Oh man, we just had that Robin Hood." <laughs> yeah, it's. It, look, if you want to know more about that, go and listen to last week's episode. But yeah, it's um, there is certainly enough there to do another Robin Hood month. Uh, for those of you listening in, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you so much for being a member of the Patreon. If you are a member of the Patreon, if you're not. Uh, Maybe you can consider it. Uh, for the fourth episode in a row, I'm going to say, take from yourselves and give to me. Uh, just go <laughs> over to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can get extra bonus goodies and features. Uh, we have a Facebook page uh, to get news and updates. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on Facebook. And of course, subscribe. Each and every week, you'll get a brand new episode of this program through iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, however you do it. It's up to you. Just make sure that you're subscribed. But that is all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Sarah, say goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Sarah. <laughs> Why? I was trying to remember the line, but I always say oh, it. About leaving. Um, yeah. Oh, hang on. I got it. Oh, there we go.
the rest of you gentlemen can bugger off. Go You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.